Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I got fancy, man. Oh, very good. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby, Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby Lubitz here all around the world on the Believe Networks and uh, happy to have you with us for uh, what figures to be a very special edition as we welcome one of our favorite conversationalists to the program and uh, he joins us once again, which uh, I would imagine that he hasn't realized how detrimental this might be to his uh, brilliant career. Where, as we've often said, he has written more books than the two of us cumulatively have read in our lifetime. And uh, and it's always interesting because uh, we have to ask right away, I mean, what, what's the latest project? Because we can't keep pace with it from one conversation. To the next. Welcome to the show, the great John Feinstein. John, how are you, my friend? Jeff, I'm well. Mike, I hope you're well, too. It's always good to talk to you guys, regardless of the uh, what it does to my career. It just gives Leslie just for something to yell at me about. So it's always good. Very aggravating, uh, you know, these conversations are to Leslie, as uh, most of the stuff that we do, as you might imagine, including this theory that I have, that I have to run by you because, I mean, you've covered so many sports and we love your versatility. And uh, one of my favorite books uh, that you've written, and before I even uh, knew you on on this uh, personal level, uh, was Hard Courts, which I read from cover to cover and uh, absolutely uh, enjoyed every word of it. Uh, You know, and I'm not an avid reader or uh, voracious uh, reader or whatever that would be. Uh, and and I, I love the fact that uh, you're not afraid to get your hands, uh, you know, dirty in the muck, digging up a story, and also are somebody that uh, recognizes and very well illustrates uh, paying homage to greatness, like we saw with Serena Williams at the U.S. Open. But um, I, I became, you know, alienated by Serena when, uh, you know, a couple of things transpired. The whole Osaka thing I thought was a disgrace. Uh, in a sport where usually you get this uh, real gentlemanly, like two boxers hugging at the end of a match. Uh, you know, I mean, they're always very gracious about acknowledging the other. And, and she really, I, I thought she sent Ozaka partially into that uh, psychological tailspin that uh, she endured, which she's still, I, I don't know, it looks like she might have snapped out of it, although not playing as well. But um, what did you think about, uh, you know, the, the whole Serena coming back to the U.S. Open? I, I thought the ceremony was appropriate. But I also thought that Don King had to have picked that opponent because uh, <laughs> she might have been the only woman in the draw that would have lost that match to Serena the way it transpired. So easily. Uh, you know, uh, I have a lot of feelings about Serena. So let's start with it, with this. She's the greatest female player of all time. I don't care whether Margaret Court won 24 majors to her 23. 11 of Margaret Court's majors, and she was a great player, don't misunderstand me, were won in Australia when it was basically an intramural tournament back in the 60s and early 70s because it was before Christmas and none of the great players went down to play. Um, So Serena is the greatest player of all time, period. Beyond that, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, You know, there's been some revisionist history about who she was. Um, There were, you mentioned the Osaka match. There was the match against Kim Kleisters where she threatened the lineswoman. Uh, and that was certainly not a pretty sight to see. And then took her like three times to get it, get the apology right. Um, but let me say this, and I said this to, to a couple of people earlier this week. I have come to like and admire her more since she stopped winning. She won her last Grand Slam in January of 2017 when she was two months pregnant, as we all know. 
um, since she's come back to play, she's certainly had some good moments. She made a final at Wimbledon, a final at the U.S. Open, but has not won another Grand Slam. And she's not the same player. She's 40 years old. She's had a child. Uh, but I think she's handled herself with a, a, with a grace and style that we didn't necessarily see when she was dominating everybody. And she also had this bad habit, and she's not the only athlete to do this by any means, but she never lost a match. You know, it was always – there was some reason why she lost when she lost, which she didn't do very often. She never gave much credit to the other player. It wasn't always a pretty sight. But I think the last four and a half years now, um, she's been someone – she's grown into her greatness as an iconic cultural figure. Forget her, her playing ability. Um, and, and that's why I think you're right, Jeff, that the ceremony on – uh, Monday night uh, was 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 appropriate. I think her deciding to go out in the U.S. Open that she's won six times. Her first major was at the U.S. Open, right after a year after Arthur Ashe Stadium opened. Uh, I I think it, I think it, she's getting it right here. Um, and there is a tendency by all of us in the media uh, to rewrite history. I mean, Tiger Woods is you know now the greatest guy in in the world according to the golf media. Um, which happens. And John McEnroe said to me once years ago when he was at his dominant best and, and was getting booed all over the world um, that he understood that sports fans love you when you're young, don't love you when you're great, and love you again when you're old. Yeah, and I think that's accurate. Good for him. Uh, very much so, yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, very illuminating. Uh, of course, John Feinstein is always with us here on After Hours uh, with Defoe and Luby. Did you think, as she made her ring entrance there, that, uh, A, body type was uh, along the lines of Butterbean Ash, and, and, B, that she had borrowed that outfit off the fabulous moolah? I, I don't mean to sound well, that, I mean, like I'm bitter, yeah, exactly. but uh, I, I was alienated like you are. I'm glad that you're the first person. Because you wanted the outfit? Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, she's always been into fashion, into into, yeah. into outfits that other people wouldn't necessarily wear. That's that's always been part of who she is. Serena, I mean uh, Venus, her sister, is much more low key in that sense. But I, you know, I I think that uh, everybody knew this was going. You know, uh, what, what to Michael Buffer? I mean, that's what they needed was Michael Buffer. <laughs> to introduce the players uh on monday night and and again tonight but um but that that's one of the things that's made her so great is that that she's always loved the spotlight she she really craves the spotlight she doesn't mind being in pressure situations i've never seen anybody go back statistically but the number of times in her career that she's lost the first set and come back to win has to be more than any other female tennis player ever because she, you know, you, you would get used to her losing the first set 6-2, being down, you know, 4-1 in the second set, and then she wins 7-5 in the third, or wins 6-1 in the third, because she breaks the other person's will by winning the second set. Um, she's better at that than any female tennis player I've ever seen, including the greats like Everton, Navratilova, and Groff, and Sellers, all of whom I got to see at, at their peak. So I, I think, you know, you have to give her credit for that ability to step into the ring, so to speak, and, and compete the way she has. Yeah, no doubt. And, and yet, at the same time, I, I guess the other element that's in play, uh, you know, from a sports, uh, you know, legacy standpoint, uh, 
I hated seeing Joe Willie, you know, sitting on that Rams helmet. Uh, you know, Johnny Yu, of course, with the lightning bolt. Uh, we've seen it uh, with other athletes, especially being a, a guy that was into boxing my whole life. I mean, Ali fighting a Trevor Burbick in the Bahamas uh, when right. we could barely uh, climb through the ring ropes. So, you know, and, I, you know, you don't like to see somebody hang Willie Mays with the swing and bunt just hang on too long and look like a shell of themselves, which, uh, unfortunately, in her you know, comeback, I, I mean, Serena just doesn't look anything like the Serena of all. Uh, no, she doesn't. She doesn't. I, but you know what? I, I've given this one a lot of thought because it comes up all the time, as you said. And then my first experience with that was as a kid being a Mets fan and seeing Willie Mays with the Mets in 72 and 73. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I remember as a little kid, I remember thinking he was never going to make an out when he was with the Giants because he was so great. Um, and obviously he wasn't close to that with the Mets. And I actually met Willie Mays 10 years ago. Um, at the U.S. Open when it was played in San Francisco, and and I and I said to him, uh, you know, one of the few athletes I call Mister because he's Willie Mays, and I said, Mister yeah. Mays, I just want you to know, as a lifelong Mets fan, I really enjoyed seeing you play for the Mets at the end of his of your career. And he said, I shouldn't have played for them; I was done. Oh. Well, okay, but here's what I really think, Jeff: legacies belong to the athletes; they don't belong to us. You know, Michael Jordan in the Wizards uniform wasn't Michael Jordan. Uh, and, and you mentioned, you mentioned the boxers. I think uh, isn't, uh, Vander Holyfield and Mike Tyson still trying yes. to fight for crying out loud. Yes. Um, I believe so. And I, I do, I want to see that. No. Um, you know, did, did I, did I want to see, uh, Jim Palmer five years after he retired trying to pitch in spring training? No, but it's their legacy. Yeah. It's up to them. And Willie Mays is still Willie Mays. Johnny Unitas is still Johnny Unitas. Joe Namath is, is doing commercials for Social Security or whatever the hell it is, um, which that to me is sad. <laughs> that, 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 you know, he's the same as Jimmy Walker for crying out loud. But, <laughs> but it's, it's their legacy. It's their decision. And it's not up to us. It's not up to – to me to say, I, I don't know if I want to see Tom Brady at 45. Um, it's up to Tom Brady. And so I, I, I understand what you're saying. And she does not, you know, she's clearly not in the shape she was in before she became a mother and she has trouble moving. And that's why I think she's going to have difficulty tonight against a good player. Um, but th if this is the way she wants to go out, I've got no issues with it. And I'm glad she, she, she won a match at least yes. won a match. You know, she's never lost a first round match at the U S she never lost a second round match for that matter. Um, so at Wimbledon, Wimbledon, I watched that match at Wimbledon, um, with tan harmony tan. Have I got that right? Yes. yes and it, it, it almost made me cry because <laughs> there was no harmony tan ended up winning a couple more matches which shocked yes. me. But Shocker. Serena ten years ago would have beaten her left-handed. Oh yeah, and that that I, I was think sad I would have beaten her. I, I really do. I think I would have beaten her. She was a vegematic you, you, with a slicing and dicing and sugar. It it was not pretty to see, and no, and no. you know, and and the ESPN people who are of course you know totally in the tank for everything tennis because that's what they're paid to do, kept going, oh the, the drama here, the this, and I'm I'm like this is sad. This yeah. isn't dramatic, but. But but again, it's her legacy, and yeah. and if she loses tonight and, and walks away, she's still gonna be the greatest tennis player, female tennis player of all time. Yeah, that's not going away. No doubt. 
Uh, will Phil Mickelson uh, be selling reverse mortgages on TV soon, uh, <laughs> replacing Tom Selleck in that ad? Uh, because I'd rather see him than Tom Feinstein, <laughs> author, author of A Good Walk Spoiled, that uh, this walk, I mean, nobody knows what to make of this walk. This walk to the live tour. Uh, no. Phil was the first prominent name there, but uh, now others are following. I don't know if it's enough to sustain yeah. it. Uh, the money is there. I mean, what, what do you make of all of this? Well, how long have you got? Um, in some ways, what happened last week when Jay Monahan announced, you know, these new super events with $20 million first prizes and guaranteeing 500 grand to everybody on tour up front at the start of the year and the tiger, uh, Rory sponsored or run or controlled Monday night team matches. I, I think they're going to try to bring Cosell and Meredith back to do those matches. Um, uh, it, it, it was almost like a surrender, like, okay, you know, live has all this money and they're doing this team stuff and they're doing limited fields and, and, you know, there was, I don't know if you saw, there was a very funny, obnoxious, but funny tweet from Greg Norman that day in which he said he, he quoted Jay Monahan. And, and in, in, in Jay's quote, he said, Greg, is it okay if I copy off your homework? And, and Greg's reply was, sure, go ahead. Just don't make it look so obvious that you're copying me. And and it, there was truth in that. Uh, it, there there is a lot of copying going on. And and what Phil said, even though he said it incredibly poorly <clears throat> last year, is turning out to be true. That by um, f forcing the PGA Tour's hand with this new tour and all this new money, boom! All of a sudden, the tour is coming up with all this new money yep. um, for the players who are still staying with the tour and. I think what happened last week probably saved them from losing Hideki Matsuyama, who I'm told was ready to go, and that Patrick Cantlay was getting wined and dined too by Liv, and he stayed. So even though the big news uh, yesterday, I guess, was Cameron Smith leaving, and that's a big deal. You know, he's the number two player in the world. He's the British Open champion. Um, the other half of the news was that the tour managed to hang on to a couple of important guys. So this is an ongoing battle. Uh, I don't think it, it, it's one. It's it, it's dichotomous in this sense. Nobody looks good here, it, 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 except maybe Rory McIlroy, who's been outspoken on the issue right from the beginning, saying I want nothing to do with Live. I want to play on a PGA Tour. I want to play. You know, I know the majors are the most important thing in the world. Um, but other than that, everybody it's everybody's chasing the money one way or the other. But the flip side is, if you are a professional golfer, this has been great. Yep. I yes. mean, all they're doing is raking in money. Yep. And it's interesting because Sergio Garcia, who was one of the first guys to commit to live, said to Rory months ago, he and Rory are very close, they were in each other's weddings, hey, now we'll finally get paid what we deserve. Uh. And Rory, who I think is as smart an athlete as any athlete I've ever met, looked at him and said, Sergio, we're golfers. We don't deserve anything. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're lucky as hell to be making what we're making. Teachers deserve more. First responders deserve more, but not golfers. Yeah. And Rory, of course, has it right. He usually does. But Sergio also has it right because they, they're getting a lot more money than they were getting before. I guess and, of course, some of that money is so, soaked in blood, but that's not stopping him from taking it, is it? Yeah, well, Tiger also, I think, comes across uh, very well. 
Uh, being, yeah, uh, Tiger has come across PGA well. And declining all of his money, uh, you know, to be a guy well past his prime with no chance of winning uh, on the uh, tour, uh, it seems again, you know, and, and bypassing yep. whatever that offer was from the Saudis. I mean, to, to be respected. Right. Right. And, and, and again, that, that it's interesting because in both cases, Tiger and Phil, who were rivals for so long, although it was more like a hammer and a nail than a rivalry, but um, Phil has damaged his, his legacy. He's not going to be a Ryder Cup captain. Uh, he's going to be remembered as the guy who jumped to live and took the Saudi money, even though he, he, he called them out for what they are um, and then took the money. Uh, and Tiger will be remembered not only for being the greatest player of all time, which he is, all due respect to Jack Nicklaus, but for you know, turning down the live money. Now, one thing that's interesting that hasn't come out yet, and I wonder about this, do you know who first hired Jay Monahan when he went, went to work for IMG? No. Mark Steinberg. That's interesting. Tiger's oh, wow. agent. That's funny. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if Steinberg's not behind the curtain pulling some of the some of the strings here. Mm. Well, look, uh, John, you, you brought up breaking in cash. You brought up uh, dragging your feet. You brought up, uh, you know, sort of focusing on the wrong and not the right. So I want to move into the NFL for a second, and we'd like to talk to you about the off-the-field <laughs> stuff as much as the on-the-field stuff because you've been with the Washington Post covering maybe the most – ridiculous franchise in North American sports outside of our own Miami Dolphins who have really been on the heels of Dan Snyder. Stephen Ross is doing his damnedest to show his foolishness side as an owner. Um, what is interesting about this offseason is the, the Sean Watson debacle scandal, whatever it was, sort of came to the head. We all thought he got a pretty sizable suspension, pretty sizable fine. What, we, what I will say for that is it's funny. You've seen Jim say an owner or billions, do more foolish things. You've seen Dan Snyder be involved in way worse. Jerry Jones be involved in way worse. And, uh, you know, Kraft, Bob Kraft, be involved in things that ended up going into federal crime, and none of them had any penalties ever. It is a little strange that Watson, who gets its sizable penalty, when the owners themselves are untouched time and time again. Yeah, and there's been a consistency to, yes. to that, Mike, um, through through the years, uh, and uh, I I think some of it, I, frankly, is is racial. Mm. Most of the players are black. Deshaun Watson's black. I'm not defending anything that he did uh, yeah, by yeah, any stretch, but I mean Robert Kraft is now a nominee for the Hall of Fame, Jeez. and and Jerry Jones is already in the Hall of Fame. You know, and then 20 years from now, if 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 Washington wins a Super Bowl somehow, God forbid. You know they'll probably nominate Dan Snyder for the Hall of Fame, and 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 these are these are ter terrible people. Now Snyder's the only one I know personally, yeah. and and I can tell you that he's a terrible person. I've told you guys that before. <laughs> <Many a time. laughs> um, you know he just doesn't treat people well, and and it goes beyond um, you know the the sexual harassment charges that have been brought against against him, and that he was found guilty of by the league, even though they just wrist slapped him for it. Um, but it, 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 there's definitely a, a double standard. I mean, Colin Kaepernick was blackballed out of the league because he knelt for the national anthem, which, by the way, he had a constitutional right to do. And so, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Mike. It's it's uh, I have trouble dealing with the NFL. You know, every time Roger Goodell. Uh, opens his mouth. I want to put a sock in it um, because I know I know he's lying. 
you know, and, 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 and dance basically to believe Dan Snyder, you have to believe that every single person he's ever dealt with, including his buddy for 10 years, Bruce Allen is a liar and he's not, you know, and you know, the old saying, if you think everybody in the world is crazy, maybe you need to look in the mirror. And if you think everybody, if you're claiming everybody in the world is a liar, maybe you need to look in the mirror. But he's, you know, I don't know if they have mirrors on, on wherever the hell he is in, in, the, in the Middle East. Our approach is an easy one along those same lines. Blame it on the dead guy. Always blame it on the dead guy. Whatever. Always blame it on the dead guy. Blame yeah. it. It was garbage that, that. Uh, all along. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the latest? What's the latest, John Feinstein? Uh, what, what's the latest project? It's hard to keep pace with uh, what you're doing. I, you know, I get inspired. I, I go on my walk of life and I feel like a dead man out there and I start thinking, what am I going to do? And then I realized John Feinstein's already working on seven different things during the time that you were out here trying oh, to I don't, I, I don't know about that. What I'm working on and what I'm working on this morning is is uh, getting my daughter out of bed because she doesn't start school till next week. But uh, you, you guys talked to me uh, when uh, Raise a Fist, Take a Knee came out, my book on race and sports. And, and, yes. and I have to say, um, I'm really – thrilled the book did not make the bestseller list i knew it wouldn't because half the country wouldn't even look at it but it's probably gotten the best reviews of any book i've ever written um and this kind of a funny story um mike krzyzewski sent me a text two sundays ago because he wanted to talk to me about something and and uh i was asleep when he texted because i sleep a lot now and so 45 minutes later, I called back and I didn't get an answer. So I left him a message. So he called me back and he said, you're not going to believe this. But he was he was on the phone when I called with a Harvard business professor who he works with because, you know, he does a lot with the business school at Duke. And uh, he said the guy was telling him, having nothing to do with, with anything else, that he was reading this book, Raise a Fist, Take a Knee. Nice. And it was this great book. And if you haven't read it yet, Mike, you should read it. And this guy is brilliant. And I'm so impressed that a white person would like, because he's a black business professor oh. at Harvard. And 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 uh, went on and on. And, and Mike said to him somewhere, he said, well, guess what? The author's trying to call me on my other line right now. <laughs> and I thought that was just really cool. cool. I yeah, mean, I, I got a huge kick out of that. So, so that I'm, I'm really proud of Razor Fist Technique, and I'm working on a book right now that's completely different. Uh, David Faraday's biography. Yep. Um, oh, that's because right. David yeah. is, yeah, he is such a unique figure um, in, in, you know, in, in his life story, um, growing up in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. Being an alcoholic and an addict, uh, he lost a child to a drug overdose five years ago. He's been as brilliant a TV commentator and golf, certainly, as we've ever encountered. Um, and, you, you know, on his TV show, Faraday, he interviewed three pre- three real presidents and Trump, um, <laughs> Clinton, Clinton, George W. Bush, and, and Barack Obama. How many guys can make that claim? And uh, so that I'm I'm coming down the home stretch on that project. The book nice. will be out next spring. Oh, Mazel Tov! Heard a couple of documents dropped out of Trump's pocket while he was uh, talking to Faraday on a set there. Uh, I think four of them actually. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> documents? What documents? Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, always well, a pleasure. But, but I declassified them. <laughs> there you go. 
Always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, You're brilliant. Uh, As always, uh, it's always great having you on uh, any platform that we're on. uh, And right here on Believe, I know our fans love it whenever you make an appearance. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Best of luck with the new project with Faraday. I'm sure that's going to be fascinating. And, uh, you know, all previous books are well worth well worth the consumption by uh, any uh, reader out there, whether it's uh, sports or in general. Uh, You guys are going to love this man's work. Thanks so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Always enjoy it. John, thank you. All right. Thanks so much. There you go, Louie. I, I got some agreement finally on my yes, Serena you actually position. got someone to agree exactly with what you said. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, look, the whole thing is uh, be be gracious in defeat. Uh, and maybe and John made a good point there. I mean, obviously, as he always does. But uh, she has become more gracious in, in accepting that she yes. is not, you know, somebody. I mean, uh, she may believe it. And the ESPN announcers uh, who John mentioned, which are all very likable people at this point. I mean, McEnroe's brilliant at what he does. Uh, who doesn't love Chris Everett? And, and obviously... Uh, highly respectful. Uh, she's battling uh, cancer and going through all kinds of things. Still, putting a you know a, a bright face on and being on TV and just being you know everybody's darling that she always was, and, and you know obviously has some insight into what it's like to play championship level tennis. So uh, that that shouldn't be lost on people. And uh, Fowler, who does a good job. I mean, obviously the guy's uh, hugely successful, and uh, you know does. It's not easy to do football play by play and transition to tennis. Yeah. Like uh, one of our guests later on in the week, Ian Eagle does uh, so brilliantly, or did. I don't think. He's doing much tennis anymore. But, um, you know, I mean, to be fawning all over Serena like she has a chance to win this thing. No, no. Is highly misleading. I mean, if you're announcing an event, it was great that she won. I really believe that as much yeah, as yeah. I've made my sarcastic comments about uh, the outfit and this and that. Uh, because I just I don't like sore losers. Yeah. And and I, I really one thing I like about tennis players, I mean, even if they don't mean it, it seems like most of them are sincere yep. after a match. You know, they'll turn and, and say, you know what, I, I have to congratulate my opponent. Uh, played a brilliant match today. It was a pleasure to share the court with this uh, person. And, and, you know, and that's the kind of thing that you know, even if it's bullshit, it's something that you want to hear. It, it's just, a, you know, a, a salutation to the person that you played. And saying, hey, you know what? This was a game. There's no hard feelings. It's over now. And, uh, you know, you, you guys, it, it was a great job. Uh, and, and I like that. I, I like acknowledging the opponent once in a while. It shouldn't always be about, you know, uh, berating the loser. Yep. You know, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that, that somebody did something well enough to win. Yep. And, you know, you, you like to see that. So if you're upset in a match or whatever, I don't care what level of athlete you are. I mean, to, to sit there and disparage the other person and 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 it's true well, what john said it was always you know somebody else's fault that serena lost and that started to bother me over the years and so uh, i started to take, take exception with uh, some of this you know a gratuitous conversation about uh, what a wonderful person she was uh, she may well be in, in every other way but she was a poor uh, you know uh, loser and and that was never something that i what was favorable towards uh, in uh, you know admiring teams or athletes Always hated that. All right, now we have to run. Uh, thanks so much, John Feinstein. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, we that have fun. a lot of other stuff coming up on Believe, so uh, stick with us. I, I believe Brandon Lang, who yes. you guys know from his own Believe podcast, tomorrow uh, will be our guest uh, tomorrow. And, and then uh, on Friday, Ian Eagle of CBS fame, always a hoot, talking to uh, Ian Eagle, who I'm sure will jump in on this Serena thing as well, as uh, he worked uh, for many years uh, on tennis broadcasts in addition to his brilliance as an NFL commentator, which, uh, wow, the payday's got to be large, right? For uh, Ian Eagle these days? He's doing well and he's very modest. So it's an interesting combination. We have no idea what he makes. Wow. And we know he has to make a lot because he is on the number two team. And the number one team is making what they are making. So Yeah. I mean, he's got to be ready to mow Nance down at any time there. 
You don't think Nance wanted that Amazon job when he saw what Al Michaels was getting? Get out of here. Well, he's probably making that. <laughs> Would that be like leaving for the live tour? I'm not exactly. sure. Exactly. All right. Uh, we say thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It was a pleasure being with you. For Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest. Uh, glad you guys caught After Hours. Catch our regular show, our regular hours, actually, uh, 7 to 9 Eastern. And you can catch that live. Uh, subscribe to South Florida Live on YouTube. Subscribe, and you'll catch, like, uh, hours and hours of this stuff every yes. day which I hope you guys enjoy. And uh, we always have a good time. So uh, glad you guys uh, have your faith in us. And uh, obviously, at this point, uh, you're like, uh, we are in this system here on this network, feeling that you got to believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapists, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this, if you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place. And that one place is Catholic Health Services. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.